Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one, and my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for 20-plus years, past president of the AANA and the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. In fact, a lot of our listenership knows Sharon or know who she is. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and Sharon, I think we have a great show. Oh, we do today, and... (laughs) Tell everybody where we're broadcasting from, Oh, yeah, Jeremy. we're broadcasting from mid-year in Washington, D.C. Oh, don't you love coming to the Capitol? I love coming here, but I hate driving here. Oh, so well. seven-hour drive up here today was not a lot of fun. No, but so, seeing that Capitol glowing in the sun. Yeah, if we could, uh, we'll, we'll discuss politics later. Uh, speaking <laughs> of politics, uh, we have with us today Ralph Cole. And Ralph is the Senior Director of Federal Government Affairs for the A. And we are lucky to have him today. And Sharon, what's his topic going to be today? Well, today we are going to talk about On the Hill, advocating for your profession. Sounds great, which is the whole reason for mid-year, I believe, is to educate and advocate. Absolutely. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, Ralph? I believe that some of our listeners may not know where you came from. Not a rock, not from under a rock. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I should start off. I'm from a family full of nurses. Yeah. my, my, uh, my, My grandmother, both my aunts, two of my cousins are nurses. My first job in politics was when I did an internship for my last 12 credits of college. I did a, I was in legislative assistant in the New York State Assembly, and my boss was actually a registered nurse as well. Really? I don't even think I knew that. Yeah. I've had ties to the nursing community for a long time. I use a nurse practitioner for my primary care needs. Nurse midwives delivered both my kids, and when my son Henry needed surgery when he was less than a year old, I requested and actually demanded a, a CRNA do his anesthetic. So I'm I'm fully bought in, uh, drank the Kool-Aid uh, several years ago. So professionally, I, I've, I've been doing uh, healthcare advocacy and federal lobbying for the past 15 years or so. I was with the American Occupational Therapy Association for several years, part of the non-physician community that works together here in D.C. And I started at the ANA as uh, the day-to-day lobbyist six years ago. And since then, I've been promoted to the senior director position. And that's what brings me here to y'all today. Yeah, and I love it. He said y'all. So he is from Texas, correct? Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York, yes. His accent mixes with ours. Well, he's a lobbyist. He knows how to engage his audience. He was looking at me when he said that. (laughs) 
That's what a good lobbyist does. That's right. audience, for sure. That's right. Well, let's kind of kick it off and kind of start talking about some of these things. And Ralph, how should CRNAs stay engaged with federal politics? That's a great question. You know, there's a, a number of ways available out there to keep track, obviously through ANA's website, but we have a number of different avenues. We have a government affairs hotline that we send out weekly that highlights what we're doing here on Capitol Hill and usually provides some tidbits and context about what Congress is doing, what they're looking at, any hearings, any anything of note that could potentially affect our ability to protect and advance the profession. We've also recently created a designated Facebook page AANA advocacy page. Uh, it's where we have the ability to keep folks up to date on what we're doing, similar to the hotline, but it's another venue because we're trying to find the easiest way for our members to stay engaged, to know the important work that's going on here in DC. So the Facebook page, hotline, website, newsletter, e-news bulletin. There's a number of ways, and, and my favorite way is to reach out to us directly. We make ourselves in the Federal Government Affairs Office readily available. You know, we're a member-driven group. So I could be reached on my cell at 202-631-0208. Well, or, you wow, he it. puts it out there, I'll tell you. <laughs> Or my email. You know, I like to interact with, <laughs> with individuals directly. Well, you, know, you so. might as well give your email address. Oh, absolutely. Now, so that's R K O H L at A A N A D C dot com. Great. Well, Ralph, you mentioned what's going on in D.C. What is going on in Congress in D.C. right now? And that would be something our listeners should know about or should be thinking about right now. Quite a bit is going on here in D.C., you know, just a few things. Contrary to what we hear on the news, that nothing's right. going on in D.C., right? There's always a lot going on, but not much getting done <laughs> is, is, is the problem. It. And that's, you know, part of the challenge that we face is Congress does a lot. They talk about a lot of different issues, but it's identifying those issues that are actually going to move, that actually have right. a chance of finding some sort of bipartisan compromise because bipartisanship is a dirty word these days. So it, it makes the ability to find any legislative vehicle to advance our interests problematic. But, you know, we're always looking to identify those areas that we think actually have a chance. You know, the opioid crisis being one, we need to be advancing our interest in that sphere. I think we bring a lot to the table, including prevention with non-opioid techniques in the acute care setting, interventional pain to treat chronic pain as an alternative to popping pills. And recently, last Congress, we passed legislation that was firmly opposed by organized medicine that would enable CRNAs to participate, fully participate in medication-assisted treatments, including the prescribing of buprenorphine. So we actually have fit in every aspect of combating the opioid crisis. And that's one that, that has bipartisan support and one that's being talked about. So it's a good example. So what can CRNAs do back home? Because not everybody can take a day off of work or several days off of work and come up here to our beautiful capital. What can CRNAs do back home? Absolutely. There's several things we urge our members do to stay engaged and involved. One is taking action when we send out our grassroots alert. It is a key aspect of our advocacy efforts because for hearing from constituents directly on an issue goes a long way. We can go in and make the most articulate points possible, make the greatest arguments a member of Congress has ever heard. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes they need to know that folks back home who are paying attention and listening are engaged on the issue because ultimately they want to come back to Congress. There's very few members of Congress who don't want to win their next election. So amplifying our voice with constituents back home by taking action. We, we send out grassroots alerts. 
only when it's necessary. We get inbox fatigue uh, and we try to keep it to those times when we really need you to take action. But we make it pretty simple with pre-populated letters, a couple clicks and you make contact. You know, so that's probably the biggest way. But engaging with district offices, with district events, CRNA PAC sponsored events back home, you know, and, and that all comes from being engaged with the Federal Government Affairs Office and, and having a relationship with us so we can identify you as a potential person to, to send to healthcare events that are being held back in the district to participate in meetings or potentially, you know, healthcare advisory panels. We're big on trying to push our members to either join those for members of Congress or potentially even start them. Let me ask you a particular question. You talked about the form letters that go out. Now, it has always been my understanding that if they're all exactly the same, that they just lump them together and that you should add at least a sentence or two that is particular to yourself so that they will have to pull that out of a pile of form letters. Is that true? That is 100% true. Yes, we provide the form letter, and that's just what it is. It's a form letter because we don't know your particular story, your particular situation, how you fit into the, the campaign that we're undertaking. So when you take the time to add a couple of sentences, a couple, a little bit about you, where you work, who you are, it takes it from that pile, that stack of the same letters, and it makes them take notice because it shows that a level of engagement that the form letter doesn't. And that sends a couple of notes that you're paying attention, but you're actually engaged and you're actually thinking about what you're doing, you know, because if you're that engaged, you're probably going to be going to the ballot box in November. And that ties into that one. Right. Their seats. They always want the yeah. vote. One more question in that regard, because a lot of people will send thank you notes after they come up here or they'll send notes to their congressman. And I had a chief of staffer tell me to send it to the office back home because there's a lot of issues about the mail after anthrax and people like Henry. Yeah, so there's, after the anthrax scare, there's new protocols within Congress, both the House and the Senate, about unopened mail coming into the office. So it oftentimes has to go through a very rigorous process that normal mail does not. And one, it can lead to really long delays Mm -hmm. so the member or the staff member that you met with is getting a letter several months after they met with you so that you know advocacy works best when you're getting touches close together because it makes them remember you so when they're getting a thank you note about a topic that they haven't thought about in months and they've been inundated with meetings and meetings it's hard to place the face to the name so you know that is a challenge with the thank you notes Um, but again I'm from Long Island, New York, but my mom taught me a handwritten thank you note is the best way to to show your gratitude in those situations. So definitely send them in. Another option is to send them to our office and, you know, we can go in. I never thought about that. And we can open them and deliver them. And it gives us a a good chance to make a touch with the office as well. I never thought. We just came to that together. (laughs) That is such an awesome thing. We need to... Ooh, I'm beating on the table here because that Don't get too is, excited. On yes, but I mean that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. Maybe you need to say that at the microphone this week. I hadn't thought of it till right now. Well, <laughs> I'm hey, glad I'm here. The energy in this room giving is you some palpable. more work there, Ralph. Ralph, do you find that most of the folks that you talk to on the Hill know the issues that are important to CRNAs these days? 
The people that matter, yes, okay. definitely. Good. So the committees of jurisdiction, the issues that we care about, they know. So the leadership knows, the chairs, ranking members of the Ways and Means Committee, Senate Finance Committee, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, Energy and Commerce, the ones that we really interact with and, and have purview over our issues. The Senate had a little less turnover this time around, so we have a less less work to do to, to get everyone up to speed. On the House side, there was a, it was a wave election, so there was a, a big turnover with Democrats picking up 40 seats. So a lot of new faces, a lot of old faces that we work with are gone and not forgotten. Um, so, you know, on our team, we went through the, the freshman list, the list of incoming freshmen, and divvied it up to make sure we were getting in this next year with every new member of Congress to identify any potential allies in the new class. Is it important for nurse anesthetists to go to the town halls back home and fundraisers, and how can they access that information? Yeah, uh, it is It is a huge tool in developing the types of relationships that you need. Familiarity breeds a certain level of trust that you don't get if you don't know someone. So the more you're able to see people, especially in their hometown setting, you know, then they know you're local, they know you're one of their voters, and it, it gives you opportunity to talk to them. And building relationships is the name of this game. If they like you, they're more likely to do something for you than if they don't like you. So seeing them back home on a regular basis, you know, sometimes it's a town hall meeting. Even if you just get up and say your five-minute piece, one-minute piece, uh, you know, they start breathing that familiarity that can definitely benefit you. And when the rubber hits the road, you need a, a real solid favor from a member of Congress. They're more apt to go to bat for you if they know you. And we have the key contact program still up and running, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was the second year part of your question I forgot to answer. That's okay. <laughs> um, so the key contact program it is a program that we developed several years ago. We're looking to revamp and relaunch because we think it's an invaluable tool in our toolbox to affect the change we need to. But essentially, we want to identify at least one CRNA in every congressional district. So 435 districts across the country, we'd like to have at least one CRNA that can work with the federal government affairs team to identify opportunities to engage with members back home, to potentially come to to events in DC if it's appropriate, but it's a great way to be really involved. And you have the opportunity to interact with us, much like the federal political directors do. We've seen great results in the changes we've made to the FPD program. We're asking them to engage a little bit more than we have in the past. We have regular calls. We've asked them to take action. We give them specific office staff here in D.C. to follow up with. Sometimes it's the chief of staff. Sometimes it's the health LA. But it's a great way to kind of cultivate an advocate at the same time that you're cultivating a, a relationship. That kind of brings us to another point, and that's the PAC. How are we doing on the PAC, and and kind of can you quantify that for our listenership, what that means and things that we might need to be doing differently as we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So that when we say PAC, we're talking about the, the CRNA Political Action Committee. And what that is, it's a voluntary program of contributions from our members, our members' immediate families, and certain staff here at ANA. And the political action funds we're able to use to support the election and re-election of candidates that we identify who we believe are potential allies to advance our interests on Capitol Hill. It allows you to get seats at the table with the policymakers who are going to be making decisions. You know, we've we've tried to focus our giving in a way that we get the most bang for our buck these days. We know it's your hard-earned money that you're donating to the PAC. We take the fiduciary responsibility that we have to use that money in the most effective manner possible very seriously. You know, so when I first started, 
We have a, a larger pack. We've got a big healthcare pack, one of the top 10 in DC. So we get to go to a lot of events. But I found myself at events where it's a room full of lobbyists from all different sectors. And you get there and the amount of time you get to spend actually talking to the legislator is was minimal. I'd stand in line behind other lobbyists, I'd shake the hand, I'd say I'm Ralph Cole with ANA, and then I'm ushered off. What am I doing there? I'm not advancing our right. interests, and we paid money to be there. So we've made a real concerted effort to focus our giving on events that we try to host with our non-physician community. So it's like-minded folks, we have smaller groups, we have the time to actually sit and talk about our issues, the issues that matter, to educate, to make the case for why Legislator X needs to be doing why. So the Political Action Committee gets you seats at the table. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu mm-hmm. is, is, the, is, is one of the best things. And you know we know who's putting us on the menu, and it's guys who do not have our best interests at heart. So the more tables we're at, the more conversations we can have with the right people at the right times, the better. And the Political Action funds is absolutely essential to everything and any successes that we were going to have on the Hill. Well, kind of a follow-up to that, you know, you mentioned non-physicians. So how do we compare to, say, the ASA's pack at this point? Yeah, so the ASA in the past several years has overtaken every other healthcare political action committee in D.C. At over $5 million, they are the largest Healthcare delivery back in the in, even in Washington. Uh, above the AMA, well above the AMA. <gasps> wow! Yes, well above the American Hospital Association. That shows this it, is important. Is what that's telling us, right? It shows me that they're getting scared. Yeah, fear. You know, fear is a great motivator to give, and you know we have a nice size pack. I think we're number seven at about $1.9 million over a two-year cycle. We're trending upwards. Catherine Harris, who runs our political action committee, is absolutely fantastic. We've doubled the percentage of CRNAs who are giving to the PAC, and we have increased our total revenue on the PAC side. So we were at 10, we're up to seven. You know, I'm a competitive guy. I'd like to be (laughs) at at one. Um, And just to throw it out there, $100 from every member, and we'd have a larger, larger political action committee than the ASA. All right, so you threw that out there. So how do you go about doing that, Ralph? Yeah, you can go to the website in the advocacy, the CRNA PAC tab on, on the ANA's website. It's pretty simple. It's a couple of clicks, and, and you can choose. You can do recurring giving to keep it easy. It'll be a monthly payment from your credit card that you designate. You don't even have to think about it. Skip a couple cups of coffee. Skip it expensive glass of scotch that's your your right. preference <laughs> and uh contribute to the pack because it's an investment in the future of this fantastic profession so what i'm hearing you say jeremy is that our listeners that hear this should go to the website and donate a hundred dollars you know what that would be wonderful if we could challenge our listeners to do that you know we're going to do a, a whole series sharon on what if and, you know, one of the things that we're talking about doing is what if the ANA didn't exist? What if there wasn't a Ralph Cole up here advocating for CRNAs on your behalf? And, you know, I think that'll be interesting. And hopefully if this conversation doesn't spur people to give, that one definitely will. Well, while we're talking about PAC, I know that I have seen on some of the Facebook pages that some of the members are a little bit confused about the difference between federal and state PACs. So why don't you give us a little primer on that? Yeah, absolutely. So the CRNA PAC on the federal level, we give to federal candidates. So we support those who are running for the United States Congress or the United States Senate. The state PACs are going to be raising funds to contribute to state-level candidates. 
equally as important. We view at ANA from the CEO on down, we view advocacy in a, in a kind of global perspective. It all ties together. Your state legislator now is your member of Congress of the future. So if we cultivate them on the state level, you know, most people who run for office have aspirations. You know, they're driven, they're that passionate people. True. And they always want to get to the next step. And state legislature yesterday, Congress the next day, Senate, presidency, who knows. But if you cultivate it from the beginning, give to your state pack, state issues, their potential impact on your practice is, you know, you guys know this, you know, state level decisions are, are huge. So given to both your state and federal pack is an investment. It's job insurance. Right. For, for CRNA. And I think I just saw a chart come out from the ANA that had red states, green states, and yellow states. And I think that was pertaining to issues that were going on in those states that affect CRNAs. In fact, I think it was just in the last uh, little blast that the ANA sent out. So speaks directly to what you're talking about. Check that out and make sure if your state is one of those states that's yellow or red, that you are giving to your state as well as the federal side of things. Yeah. Well, Ralph brought up a good point about cultivating the relationships at the state level. Because Virginia Fox in North Carolina was a state senator, and now she's a Republican in the House, and she remembers me every time I walk into the office. Or sure, you're hard to I forget. Yes. You know right. that, right? Right. So, right. You was, sounded so surprised by that. I mean, but as a, <laughs> if I don't even go to her office, the first thing she says when she walks in is, is Sharon Pierce here? So it does come from that, but I think... Yeah. This is something I have always done, what you just said. I had just never heard it put into words and actionable terms like that so that people who may not be as politically active as the rest of us are. Um, good yeah, job. And, and just one other thing on, on the state level giving and another perspective of how it all ties in. When we're meeting with, you know, when we're pushing for full practice or extended, you know, bills that are going to remove barriers to CRNA's full practice, Many times we're like, well, what's the state law? How does the state law deal with this? Because I don't want to go against what we do in our state. So if we're if we're not getting victories on the state level in conjunction, you know, you're going to have people who are just automatically against it because they don't want to, you know, go against what their state's thinking on things. Yeah, that's another good point. That is a great point. And talking along the same line of the relationships, whenever I was state president, I brought my state lobbyist up here because they had a great relationship with a lot of the people in the state house that had moved on up the pipeline into congress and they were an invaluable asset to have here and i'd like to see a lot more states bring their lobbyists with them also i'd a hundred percent um there's a lobbyist in, in Massachusetts who's just tied into democratic politics in Massachusetts. He knows everyone on the state level and the federal level. So we, I actually went up and went with the Massachusetts guys to an event that he hosted for a member of Congress. And he's a state level lobbyist, but he's tied in. He's in the infrastructure. He knows every player in mm-hmm. democratic politics in Massachusetts. And to not utilize him would be doing ourselves a disservice. Right, and a lot of them have pretty deep tie-ins even in dc and i know a few years ago we did a lobbyist workshop where all the lobbyists from all over the country came because sometimes they're not so good at talking with each other and so maybe in the future if states start bringing their lobbyists we can also have an event for the lobbyists at the federal level because i know that our opposition brings their 
lobbyists I to think, Washington. I think that's a great. I will add that to my list. Absolutely, yeah, that list sure. is getting longer yeah, is. Yeah, as <laughs> as we're sitting here talking. All right, so let's talk about this meeting. And I will have to be absolutely honest. If I ever had to choose one of the AANA meetings, and that's the only one I would go to, it's this one. And this meeting is so inspiring. I mean, I don't even need an airplane to fly home. I think I can fly home with my own arms because <laughs> you're always so super excited. So why don't you give us a thumbnail sketch about this meeting so that CRNAs who have never come to it? So, yeah, um, for me, Mid-Year Assembly is professionally the most wonderful time of the year for me. It is when a group of some of the most talented, intelligent, driven, motivated, engaged professionals I've ever come to, to know and love come here to D.C. and get to lobby directly with their members of Congress. Uh, we spend a couple days training folks up on the issues, uh, making sure they're ready to go, because it can be daunting, you know, your first time especially. Right. You go up there and there's a lot of marble and mahogany and important people you're, you're sent in to talk to. but. The support and camaraderie and just the feeling you get here from the CRNAs and SRNAs who come is just amazing. If you don't leave here just motivated to become the best advocate you can be, you're doing something wrong because it's just such a great meeting. Uh, it's such a great time to be here in D.C. It's the opportunity to make your voice heard, uh, to make your vo voice heard with members of Congress and, and to meet the folks that work for you. You know, my, my team and I were a team of myself and six others who have dedicated our professional lives to working for this association and, and its membership. And actually getting to meet you guys is just motivating for us. You know, the more the more you like someone, the more you I want to do, work hard for them. Um, so I work my... Mm -hmm. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. Because I know and love this community. Right. You know, it's, it's amazing. Wow. But when you love what you do, it's not like work. That's yeah. it. Exactly. Which probably pertains to all three of us in this room. Now, I haven't been out of here yet, but I hear the blossoms are still. Oh, oh yes. And the, and the cherry blossoms. We typically have our meeting right around the time that the cherry blossoms bloom, which is not good for the traffic here in D.C., but <laughs> no. is beautiful. It is It is beautiful. beautiful. I'm looking forward to getting outside and seeing the cherry blossoms. For me as well. Just one more question because, you know, we mentioned this meeting and Sharon, you know, you made a great point that this is a fabulous meeting, but everyone doesn't come to this meeting. And over and over, I hear a lot of CRNAs say the reason they're not engaged at the ANA level is they don't like politics and the political side of things. So Ralph, what do you say to those CRNAs out there, which probably are the majority of CRNAs, I would think, from my perspective, what do you say to them and how can they be active, involved without having to like politics? That's a great question and one that we, we deal with a lot right. because it's a, Congress isn't the only place that's polarized right now. I think the society as a whole is moving in that direction and hopefully we'll swing back. but. You have to keep in mind that when we're here, we're putting politics aside. We are a nonpartisan organization. We're a nonpartisan political action committee. All we care about is how people stand on CRNA issues. I don't care how they feel about anything else. Professionally, that's all I want to talk about is CRNA issues. And that's all we're here to talk about. 
you can talk about politics after you're done lobbying on the hill and have a cocktail and argue <laughs> about politics if you want. I've found that's never that enjoyable. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's had a Thanksgiving dinner like that, right? Yeah, or two. Well, I think this is the bottom line for me. No one really likes politics. I think it's a dirty word, but this is something that I have learned from being around for just a little while. If you are not telling your story, somebody else is telling it for you. And the narrative that they're giving might not be a true narrative. So even if you don't enjoy it, still do it. I always talk about Jimmy Hicks. He was president of North Carolina, and he truly hated politics. But we were in a battle in North Carolina, and he came every week to the General Assembly. And I really appreciate people like that better than someone like myself who loves it. And I do it because I love it. But for some of these CRNAs that do it because they realize the value of it, I really respect them for that. And, you know, another thing that CRNAs will say is, I really don't think I can lobby I don't want to lobby, but let me tell you what, every one of us are lobbyists and we learn from a very young age how to lobby. Can you, at 16, when you wanted the keys for the car, you lobbied <laughs> to get the keys. Hey, I've got to a three year old, he lobbies all the time. There you go. <laughs> so we all lobby in yeah. one way or another, and this is no different. And just to kind of piggyback off that, I mean, you guys, not not me, but you guys, part of your jobs is to convince people to let you put them to sleep mm. and trust you to wake them back up. If you can convince someone of that, that's lobbying right there. And to develop the rapport. A good friend of mine, Gail Adcock, is uh, in the State House in North Carolina. She's a nurse practitioner, and I love how she puts it. She said, nurses know how to develop instant rapport. You do. You go in. You have 30 seconds to do exactly what you just said. You are convincing someone. You're developing rapport with them. And they don't have any clothes on. And you're asking very (laughs) very sensitive questions of them. And you do it within 30 seconds. So what makes you think that you don't have the skill set to go in and meet a congressman and chat with them. So are we saying that we need the congressman to be naked for the... <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, sorry. All right. Well, we won't get on that road either. Hashtag me okay. too. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and I'll just say one other thing on that is, you know, you don't really have to lobby. You just have to come here and tell your story, why you're passionate about this profession. And to a person... This community is more passionate about their profession than any I've ever I do not disagree with that. And Patrick Ballantyne, who is a lobbyist in North Carolina, and he used to be in the, the state Senate, and I have often asked him how he changed his mind because he used to be firmly in the other court. And he said, because nobody ever came and talked to me about the other side. So that's back to the narrative. And that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I think that's great. Well, Ralph, do you want to add anything else? I think this has been wonderful. Anything you'd like to close on before we wrap it up? 
I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. It's been great. Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate you being Donate here. Donate to your pack. Come to, to Mid-Year Assembly and know your congressman. There you go. There the are your takeaways. Three. That's right. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time. That's a wrap. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else that streams podcasts. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support.